This is the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. Make yourself comfortable and fasten your seatbelt. Tom and his guests are about to share powerful stories, trade business building insights, and have a few laughs. Tom created this podcast to help you captivate prospects and inspire them to act so you can get more clients quickly and easily. That's what powerful storytelling is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So let's get this party started. Here's your host, Tom Ruich. Hello and welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. My name is Tom Ruich, and today's episode is called How to Become Super Bold and Reap the Benefits. As always, I'll kick off today's episode with a brief story before introducing today's guest. A few months back, I was struggling with a rotten client who didn't return emails, voicemails, or texts. He didn't complete work he promised. He didn't meet deadlines, we said. Then he would pop up unannounced, bark some command, or make some out-of-scope request and act all impatient if I didn't get to it immediately. I couldn't stand working with this guy, but I was reluctant to do anything about it. I knew I should get rid of him, but I hesitated. I thought, this is a big contract. That's a lot of revenue to give up. I made a commitment and I want to fulfill my commitments. If I get rid of him, there will be a big confrontation and I don't like big confrontations. I made all sorts of excuses about why I shouldn't do something I knew I should do, but I didn't do it. I figured I could suffer through a bit longer. And so I scheduled another meeting in November with him. And at that meeting, we outlined next steps, agreed on who was responsible for what, set some deadlines. Then the same old pattern repeated, unanswered emails, calls and texts, missed deadlines, work not delivered. Finally, I'd had it. Couldn't stand it any longer. I called the client, left a voicemail for him, told him it was important waited for a callback. Of course, he didn't call back. So I sent an email telling the client we were through. And here's the wild thing. All that confrontation I feared, all that pain I would feel after pulling the plug on this relationship, none of that happened. He didn't even reply to my email. No confrontation, no pain. And now I feel great. I'm free of a client who mistreated me and was a pain to deal with, free to focus time and energy on more productive activities, free to make more money than I've lost by canceling this contract, and slightly ashamed of myself, ashamed that I didn't take bold action sooner. Instead of taking that meeting in November, I should have told him to get lost. But I wasn't bold enough. I was hesitant. I was acting needy. I was more focused on the cost of losing that revenue than the benefit of dumping the rotten client. You, not your clients, run your business. Here's the thing. You get to decide how it works. You set the rules. You define the boundaries. And you must have the courage to say yes to great opportunities and no when something isn't right. You have to fire rotten clients even if they're short-term cost. When you do that, you run your business. When you let neediness and fear govern your decisions, your business runs you. 
If I had known my guest, Fred Joyle, back in November, if I had read his book called Super Bold before then, I probably would not have hesitated. I would have acted sooner. Better late than never, I guess. For all of you who could benefit from being bolder, you're in the right place because Fred Joyle is here. He is a number one Amazon best-selling author, speaker, entrepreneur, and business advisor. He co-founded the most successful dentist referral service in the country, 1-800-DENTIST, which over 30 years generated over $1 billion in revenue. As CEO of an LA advertising agency, Fred wrote over 200 television radio commercials, he wrote two books on marketing, dabbled in stand-up and improv comedy, acted in bad movies and excellent TV commercials. Fred Joyle, welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. Tom, it's great to be here. And, and your story just immediately kicks off something in my mind, which is what bold people know is that 99% of the time, nothing bad happens unless yep. you label it that way. But most of the time, we're the ones stopping ourselves. You yep. had all of these things you were telling yourself that stopped you. And then when you finally did it, you went, all of those things were wrong. So it's so important to ask yourself, how true is the story I'm telling myself? And what are the odds that that's actually what's going to happen? Or And instead of what a bold person does, it's a, whatever happens, I'm going to deal with it. So I'm just going to get it done. Because yeah. you used a key word there, hesitation. Hesitation is the opportunity killer. Uh, the, the number of things I missed in my life because I hesitated was the impetus for becoming bold. I just got tired of stacking up the regrets. It was painful because I was very shy. I was very underconfident. And it was just ruining my life, really. Uh, and so... I had to find a way out of it. And eventually I figured out a systematic way where I could teach other people to do it way faster than the decades it took me. So yeah. that's what Super Bold is about. Yeah. And that's what I love about this, that, you know, my story and what you just said is, you know, you you stack up this frustration. We're we're almost always conscious of it when we miss an opportunity, when when we are not bold, when we are too shy, when we're too hesitant. We We know it. And and yet we allow it to happen. The frustrations stack up until just as happened to me with this client, you say, I've had enough. And then finally you you act. What I love about what you're doing with the book and the work that you do is you're saying, no, 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 you don't you don't have to uh, wait until you're so frustrated that you, you just sort of rebound. You you can be proactive. You can put systems and and develop habits. So tell us a bit about how you do it. What, uh, where do you begin? What you need to do is, first of all, mine your life for those missed opportunities, and then mine your life for those times that you were bold for whatever reason, where you stepped up or you spoke up and what happened. And, and I've been able to look at my life and say those one or two or three times when I was younger that I actually stepped up the 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 tree of opportunity and unexpected rewards is almost immeasurable yeah. um and and I, I still get gnawed at by like could have done that could have said that could have tried that and i 
and but I don't miss out on fun anymore. I don't miss out on opportunities. I can meet anybody I want. And that's when you go through life knowing that you can meet whoever you want, wherever you want and have a normal interaction with them. It's yeah. it, it's really great. Actually, since we're talking about stories, I, a great thing happened to me a couple of weeks ago. I was I live in a building with uh, you know, an elevator and I got in the elevator and there was this mom with her four year old daughter. She had a, her little cute pink bike with her and a, and a fun like unicorn helmet. So I walked in and I said, oh, I, I love your helmet. And she goes, yes, it matches my bike. I said, do you want to push my floor? Because, you know, kids, they yeah. love to push the elevator buttons. Yeah. So I said, yeah. Uh, and she said, yeah. And I said, so number four. And so she says, oh, you're only one floor away from us. We can come up and visit. <laughs> and I just, it was just like this was awakening. Like, when did that change for all of us? And then yeah. I thought about it because it was totally guileless, right? It was just open and friendly but the, the the message was for me and it's based you know from in the book as well she had no ulterior motive she had no hidden agenda it was like we can come up and play and what yeah, and, and and she hadn't been programmed and conditioned to fear the outcome, to fear embarrassment, to fear whatever. And I love the fact that you told that story. I had another guest on my podcast some months ago, Dixie Glaspie, and we were talking about creation. And, and when we're talking about content creation, I hear so often from people who say, I'm not creative, I can't do this and so forth. And we had this great conversation about the fact that as children, we're all creative. We're guileless about it. We we just we just go and we build things and we create things. And at some point, we're told, "Oh no, you can't do that," or "Or no, it's that's not okay." And and I don't. Yeah, you, you kind of have to dig deep to really get to the heart of how it happens. But it happens to all of us. So what what you're really talking about is recognizing that, hey, you know, you were able to do this when you were a five-year-old kid on the elevator. Yeah. Here's how you can do it as an adult. Yeah. It's no different. Just drop the agenda. Just have, have only one thing as your purpose to connect with another human being, even if it's for five seconds, even yeah. if you're doing what I call a throwaway compliment. You just, you just see somebody who's, you know, they have a terrific dress on or or the suit looks great on them or really interesting beard or hair color or something. Just say it and move on. You know, yeah. that hair looks great on you, man. It's, it's really impressive. Not looking to start a conversation. Now, you can do all sorts of stuff from that. But and I one of the things I talk about is how to make somebody feel like the most important person in the room. And it's a life skill. Mm -hmm. And but it starts with just not you don't have an agenda. Uh, yeah. And so many people go like, I'm networking. Right. I got I got to get my business cards out and stuff like that. It's like you're, it's a recipe for failure. 
Right. Um, because, you know, people sense it. They can smell your your neediness and desperation because yeah. you don't care about them. You care about gaining. Right. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I I love that. And and I loved a phrase that you used a couple of minutes back where you were talking about reflecting on all of the moments in your life when you were bold and the phrase you used was the the tree of opportunity all the branches and and in one of the one of the early chapters maybe chapter one of your book you tell a story of being at a boys club you were playing pool and and that's a great example of this tree of opportunity metaphor can you share that story yeah. So I'm, I was 14 years old. It's super shy. I mean, I, I could never speak up. I had my, my mom had really turned me into a really shy person because she was yeah. so bold. Cause that's what can happen too, is a really bold parent pushes the kid too hard too soon. And the, and you just, you know, it's overwhelming. So I'm, I'm in the boys club hanging out and this man comes in and he starts yelling, where's so-and-so? Uh, and, who, and he's looking for another kid in the, in the pool hall. And, there, and people say, he's not here. He says, that, that kid, that, he's supposed to be washing dishes for me today. And I can't find him. And, and I said in my little squeaky voice over sitting in the corner, I'll work. And he, was, he jerked his head around. He said, who said that? And I, and I said, me. And he said, come with me. And he takes me out of the club. This is like like four o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday. Throws me in his convertible Cadillac. We drive to the restaurant. I work a 10-hour shift washing dishes in this mm-hmm. place. And from that moment, that single moment of saying, I'll work, two words, or the contraction in a word, that job turned into a cooking job, then a waiter job, then a bartending job that I did all through college, paid for half my college with working those jobs. Yep. The, the owner's son became one of my very best friends, became a partner in 800 Dentists. Then his two sons, both, I'm in business with both of them now. <laughs> Yeah. And it's and 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 I'm coaching them on business. It's not I'm not worried about his sons rewarding me. I get to coach them on everything I learned in business. And it all came from speaking up that yeah, one moment. And, and and one of the things I particularly love about that story is it's just a 14-year-old kid making a decision. You're sitting there in the corner of that pool hall and you're one second, you're feeling shy. And the next second you decide I'm going to feel bold. And there's a, there's a quote in your book that stood out to me. Uh, you, you write, you are not shy. You feel shy. Can you, can you talk yeah, about that distinction? It's, it's, between, it is, it is yeah. a behavior that you exhibit sometimes. You're not shy with your close friends. You're not shy with your family. We all have these boundaries where our confidence diminishes or disappears. And it's different for everybody. Bold people have learned to, they've gone into their discomfort zone so often that that's where they go. That's their default mode. 
um, because they go, I'm going to be uncomfortable and that's all right. And, and then I'll get comfortable uh, with it. And so the, what we're trying to do is look at the programming that's going on in our head and, and realize when you say I'm shy, mm-hmm. I can't dance, I can't sing, I'm not good at math. Your brain goes, okay, if that, if that's who we want to be. So say the opposite, say, you know, just say, I'm good at math. I'm good at meeting people. I'm good at public speaking, you know, overwrite the programming that we all have. We got tons of negative tapes playing in our head. Uh, I call them Dr. No. I said, you need to start listening to Dr. Yes and coming up with, (laughs) with the right things. It's like, yeah, I, I, I'm, I am not a good dancer, but I like to dance. And, and then you got to understand we spend so much time worrying about other people's opinions and they're not thinking about us anywhere near as much as we think they are. They're thinking about themselves. Yeah. So what bold people do is they, they recalibrate and they say, there's a tiny group of people whose opinions really matter. Right. And it's, it's a close group of people. And then it may be that one person that they say, you know, this is this is my boss. His opinion really matters to me. Or this is somebody I really want to meet that I would. I, that's a person that I would want as a mentor, my inner circle, whatever his opinion matters. And everybody else, they don't even register right. when people say, oh, they're all going to laugh at me. Everyone's going to laugh at me. And I said, everyone who do you know them? And are they correct in their judgment of you? If a guy cuts you off, or, you know, and you call him a jerk out the window, you know, when you're on the highway, does that make him a jerk? Exactly. It, if yeah. he heard you, does he decide I must be a jerk? No. So what, what we're wrong about people most of the time with our judgments. Anyway, we have all these casual judgments based on somebody's hairstyle or their clothing or their height or whatever. Yep. And we're wrong. I, I deliberately talk to people to prove myself wrong because I'm so yep. tired of my own judgments of people. Um, yeah. And and we're wrong about ourselves, too. Yeah. This is this is the point. That's why I love that that quote so much. We define these these locked tight identities for my for ourselves. I'm a shy person, not a bold person. Well, you may have done something that was bold felt some pain and recoiled. And then that story begins to stick. I'm shy. James Clear, who wrote a a book I love called Atomic Habits, um, Mm. talks about this this idea, the importance of getting over these negative identities and redefining redefining identity. He talks about it in the context of quitting smoking, that to, to quit smoking, you have to first adopt the identity of being a healthy person. I am a healthy person and I choose as a result not to smoke as opposed to I'm a smoker who's going to try to cut back and and or or try to quit. If you can't shift the identity into a positive frame, then it, it's really difficult to um, make that shift. So I love this idea. You are not shy. You are bold. We're all bold if we choose to act boldly. 
Yeah, it, it, the opportunity is there to it, it, embrace the discomfort, knowing that some interesting out could, outcome could happen. And what, what bold people do is they, they fail upward because we yeah. all, this is how we get good at everything. But we don't apply this thinking to social behavior and interaction. Right. You know, if you were learning, Tom, you were learning the violin. And after a week, you said, it doesn't sound good. I'm quitting. That would be ridiculous. Your music teacher would get, say, it, it's a week. <laughs> Nobody mm. sounds good for like a year on the violin. But in a social situation, we, it, we one try and we're out. You know, mm -hmm. because we're somehow supposed to know how to do this, but nobody's teaching us how to do it. And I spend a good portion of the book talking about, you know, how to socially interact with people, how to make yeah. people feel good about themselves, how to make, uh, you know, the right mental programming as you as you are interacting with people or trying stuff and preparing yourself for stuff. Um, you know, like I, I, I was saying, when I, like I, I make a habit, there's a whole bunch of exercises in the book. And one of them is just to, to talk to a stranger every day. And, yeah. and I do it. It's it, the easiest place is a coffee shop. You know, you're going to Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or something like that. You got somebody in front of you and behind you in line, say yeah. something. And, and what I do now, I used to just compliment something that I thought was really nice. Now I find the thing that irritates me about them or I have a judgment about and I find a way to compliment them on that. And oh. you know what it does? Yeah. It changes my opinion of them because yeah. they react so positively to it. If, if I'm yeah. thinking your hair looks ridiculous, right? <laughs> I'm going to say, wow, I, I don't know who styles your hair, but on you, it looks fantastic. I love your blue and they hair beam when, it... <laughs> when you say it and you go, I am, I am a jerk, right. For having that judgment. And I want to get rid of it. Yeah. And, uh, no, it and you just realize you release yourself from that stuff. And then yeah. the, the most merciful thing you can do is stop judging yourself. You go, oh, oh, I'm not that good at it, but you know what? Getting a little better today. Get a little I, better I missed that opportunity not going to miss that one again. You're not, you are, are when you want to thinking about firing a client, you're going to fire a client. You're going to go, yeah. it's over. Cause you know, you know it's right. You yeah. know, it's, you know, it's right. And, and we, we pre-write the stories. We, we, we imagine the regret that we'll feel when something doesn't go right. And it almost never turns out that way there. I wrote down another line from the book that I particularly like that, that gets at this idea. You will not regret your boldest moves, but rather your most cautious ones, your most hesitant ones, your words unspoken, your risks not taken. Amen, brother. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I was, talking to a nurse uh, who spends a good portion of his life in end stage uh, care with people. And he said the the most amazing thing is they talk about what they regret mm -hmm. and it's nothing that they did that they regret. It's all the stuff they didn't do that mm -hmm. they didn't say that they didn't try. They, I, I should have made up with my brother 20 years ago, instead of letting, you know, all, all those petty things keep us apart. 
I should have, uh, you know, I, I should have told my wife more often how much she meant to me. I should have quit my job five years earlier and spent more time with my grandkids. That's all they, what I didn't do is what's eaten them up in their last you, days. You mentioned one in the book. You wish you had eulogized your father. These are opportunities that you don't get back. And, you get uh, one this and that's and that's one of the things I tell people is they say, why do I need to become Super Bowl? I said, because three, four, five times in your life, you are going to get one shot at something really important. And that window is going to shut and eulogizing a, a, your best friend or your, a parent. You don't get two tries at that. Somebody doesn't say, get everybody back in the room again a year later and we'll do this. You right. and when people tell me, oh, I don't want to say anything because I'm not good at public speaking. You know, I I hate public speaking. Okay, which is you know very strong word and terrible programming. But it's and I say to them, this isn't a performance. Yeah. Nobody's judging you on the performance that you're going to give. You're gonna you get one chance to say how you feel about losing this person and how much they meant to you. Mm-hmm. That's what everybody wants to hear. They don't care if you intoned properly or right. were sweating. <laughs> you know, my, the, my, I, I have to tell you this story because it's so classically my brother, right? I did get to eulogize my mom. Mm-hmm. And I got all the way to the end. I got through the whole thing and I had the last line. And all of a sudden I choked up. I couldn't get it out because, because, she always worried about making a, a party perfect and, and food and everything perfect. And so my last line was, thanks, mom. Everything was perfect. I'm choking mm-hmm. up saying it. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't get it out. Right. Yeah. I choked up and I just stopped and I took yeah. me, it took me a breath. Now, do you think anybody went, that's what, what's he doing? What's his problem? He can't, he's not right. a good speaker. Right. They waited till I said what I said. Yeah. And, then I'm, and and it, I got to say it. And then I sat down next to my brother and he hands me his handkerchief and he goes, here, cry, baby. <laughs> well, yeah, there. Right. Because your, brother your, your brother's can, a, your brother's allowed to do it. And- exactly. Right. <laughs> and it's like I treasure that as much as anything, because I said I told him to speak first. I said, because you're not going to want to go after I go. And after yeah. he said. I'm really glad you made me go first, <laughs> but, but I mean, that's, that's what give that to me is the pinnacle of either you, you take the opportunity and seize it or you don't, right. and it will gnaw at you and you, yep. and you will not get another bite. Yep. I'm, I'm with you. Now, when we were talking before we began to record the episode, you shared with me a couple of great game show stories there you have a little game show history and and uh why don't you share that with the audience yeah so i had the opportunity to be are you smarter on are, are you smarter than a fifth grader yeah and uh and so i did really well and i i i was experienced enough to give them good tv you know think out loud and do this stuff uh-huh. and and so uh and so if you don't understand the show, basically you get to answer 10 elementary school questions and these fifth graders can help you. And then you aggregate as much money as possible. And then you can bet all that money on one really hard question that the kids can't help you with. Mm-hmm. 
And to get, if you get it right, you get 10 times the money you bet. So I had aggregated $25,000. Now I had been backstage. Everybody on the crew was don't try the last question. It's a (laughs) hundred to one odds against it. Nobody gets it. They don't want you to get it. They don't want to pay that money. Um, And so the, uh, Jim uh, Foxworthy, Jeff Foxworthy says, do you want to do the last question and bet it all? And I said, yeah, (laughs) Um, because I and then the question comes up and I don't even understand the question necessarily because it's what layer of the earth lies below the lithosphere. So I know I'm done for. Yeah. Uh, So I just start babbling. Uh, And um, now the other the, the side note is. I've got a shirt that says 1-800-DENTIST on it, right? Uh-huh. I've, and Foxworthy is talking about 800 dentists through the show. They got text popping up that says Fred has referred 8 million people to the dentist. They got all of this stuff about my yeah. business. So I now I, I just babble and then I finally say the crust or something. And and of course, I lose Yeah. the the. 250,000 I could have won. Yeah. But I couldn't live with not trying the question. I could live with getting it wrong, but if I had ever found out that it was a question that I knew the answer to, I'd have slit my wrist. It would have been un- unbearable. But yeah. as always, the bold move paid off because because I went for the last question, they repeated that episode endlessly. Because there I was get I got I got every question right and then I got that wrong and I made good television. So this this was like a million dollars of free advertising for 800 yeah. dentists because they just I had people calling me from Asia. Going, I just saw your fifth grader episode over here. Yeah. So it was yeah. like I'm going for it to see what happens. Uh, yeah. And, you know, Fred, as I, I listened to that story. I think to myself, yeah, you're right. And, and the payback was tangible for you. Not everybody who's on a game show. In fact, most everybody who is on a game show, uh, isn't advertising a business that is going to generate that return. And, and so I take that out of this equation and I still feel when I hear that story that you win by trying. And even even if you even if you lose the money, um, it's house money. You you know you yeah. you didn't come in behind uh, uh, on this thing, and and you have this sense of hey, I went for it, and and that's part of what I take away from everything you're telling us today. That that even if the not so great outcome happens you feel better about having gotten in the ring and taking a a swing that's once you start doing that you realize trying and failing feels almost as good as trying and succeeding because you don't have to beat yourself up you went i went in and i you know i walked across the room and introduced me to that woman and she has a fiance. Yeah. But I didn't stand over in the corner saying, 
She's probably got two boyfriends and a fiance. She doesn't want to talk to me. I'm too short. I'm too tall. I'm too old. I'm too young. Whatever. I didn't listen to the tapes. I walked over and introduced myself. And she said, and I, and I eventually find out she's got a fiance or I noticed the ring, but I tried and I feel, and, and, and when I teach people this, that's the first thing they learn. And that's what the exercises are about in the book is you're trying stuff aiming for failure because you'll realize, Hey, it was, it was the trying that was satisfied. You, you actually zeroed in on on it exactly already, but it is very, it changes how you feel about yourself. Cause you, you, you just say, I'm a person who who steps up, who takes a swing at stuff, who tries whatever's going to happen. I'm going to deal with it, but I'm going to be happy that I took a try. Yeah. And, and, Trying and succeeding, obviously, that's how we always like it to turn out. Trying and failing, you feel good, you took the swing, you went for it. And that's definitely better than not trying and wondering. Wondering it is feeds that regret. I wonder how it would have turned out. Should I have done it? I, you know, and and um so uh, I think you're, you're spot on one last game show thing that you told me that I want you to share before we call it a day. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't a game show as it turns out. I was, it was a game. I, yeah. I ended up playing chess with uh, Sir Richard Branson. Ah, yeah. And, uh, and it, and it had happened on his, he, he owns an Island in, in the British Virgin islands. And uh, I was down there with a group of people and I'd ruptured my Achilles tendon playing mm. tennis. Mm. And so he happened to be there. He was not always there, but he was there playing tennis a little bit. And he just came over to me because I was sitting there with my leg up and he says, Oh, this is such a bother. This is, this has happened to you. Do you, do you play chess? Now I hadn't played chess in 40 years. <laughs> so the answer technically is not really. Um, but because I am super bold, I of course say, uh, yeah, I play chess. And so he waves somebody over and he says, go get a chessboard, go get a chessboard. He sits down on the couch next to me. And because I haven't played in so long, I play this ridiculously unorthodox strategy that he can't figure out. And I beat him and he just, he looks at the board and he just, he just calls me this really bad name and then (laughs) immediately sets the board up again to play. And from that, we started talking politics and we found out we had all sorts of shared opinions on politics. But for the rest of the week, he would find me to play chess. Ah. And then he would at dinner, we'd be 30 of us at dinner and he would say, sit, sit across from me, sit across from me. Because everybody yeah. else is trying to interview him or tell them about tell him about their business or get him to invest in their business or whatever. And he just wants to relax. He doesn't need their money or their businesses. He just wants to have a, a fun, he's a really playful, fun-loving guy and, yep. and very passionate about politics. And so they, people were actually saying, hey, you're, you're, you're hogging Branson. I went, he's asking me to sit across from him. Yeah. But it's because I said, yeah, I play chess yeah. instead of the shy Fred going, oh, no, because I might lose or I might not play as well as him, so I can't do it. Shut yeah, that right a- down. It's a good challenge for everybody who's watching or listening to this episode. Put yourself in Fred's shoes and imagine yourself on that sofa on Richard Branson's island. How likely are you to say, 
yeah, I'll play chess or yes, I play chess if you haven't played in 40 years. I'm not so sure I would have been bold enough to do that. So um, I need to read that chapter of the book and uh, work through some of the exercises. Now, there there was a second game show story, though, and I'm I, uh, just a little one. I think you told me something about Jeopardy. So share that with. Uh, oh, yeah. So but actually, <laughs> this was <laughs> I was randomly. That's right. I, I, I don't I wasn't on Jeopardy. Right. I was a question on Jeopardy. Yeah. Uh, and they just be, and it was because of my business being in the commercials. Uh, I was in half the commercials, like a hundred of the 800 dentist commercials. So I was recognizable. So they made up, they had a category on Jeopardy of 800 numbers. Yeah. Right. And yeah. one of them was Fred Joyle signs, shines, shows his pearly whites in this 800 number commercial. Uh -huh. And yeah. so obviously the, 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 the question is what is 1-800-DENTIST? So it's technically the, yeah. a, the answer, you know, you gotta, how expensive like, was the question? Was it bottom it was, of the board? It was a $400 question, $400, $400 question. question. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I had, we didn't do anything to promote it. That was just, but it's, it's like this crazy bragging rights. Cause I, yeah. you know, I have the recording of, of that happening. Cause somebody just texted me and went, you know that you're on jeopardy right or you're in the jeopardy I love question it. yeah um I love it. so yeah it's and that's just being out there I, I i went from somebody who was just incredibly shy to somebody who tried stand up took acting classes took voice lessons just because i wanted to get better the most powerful thing i did was improv comedy classes because mm, mm -hmm. and, and the the exercises in the book are actually designed the way improv is taught because it starts non-verbally yep. and it builds and builds and builds if you're trying to be more outgoing that's the number one thing you could do is and because you learn to relax and trust your brain yep and, yep. and i've taken i've taken some improv uh classes myself and it makes you a better leader. It makes you a better coworker. You interact more effectively. You listen better. You empathize better. You, you, uh, it, it's really powerful stuff. So, um, I recommend that people tune in to what Fred is dishing out in this book. Cause I know from, uh, from spending time in the book and from this conversation that there's a lot to gain from it. So Fred, where can people find you? So fredjoyle.com, J-O-Y-A-L. That's my website. Uh, you can download the first chapter of the book. Um, you know, obviously I do keynotes uh, to businesses on how boldness can transform their teams and, and also their leaders. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I also coach CEOs on a one-to-one on -a -one basis. Uh, you can see a couple of videos of me doing a super bold lecture uh and the book is available on amazon it's in hardcover it's on kindle and it's uh also uh in audible which with me reading it um and if you use the digital version of it you're gonna want the exercises so i make it so when you go to my website and i tell you this in the book and on the audible download the exercises as a pdf print them out because yep. this is about this book is about doing stuff this isn't about just changing how you think this is about how you change how you move through the world until your default mode is boldness yeah and and you and, and you know it'll expand the rest of your life i'm becoming bolder and bolder all the time but 
most of the time I'm just, and, and when I, I'm not, I know exactly what I did wrong. Yeah. <laughs> exactly how I failed, uh, yeah. when I, why I didn't step up. And I, and I, cause I listened to the wrong voice in my head almost always. Yeah. I, I think it's so critical. And, and for my audience, when we're talking about content creation, this idea of being a bold creator, being able to step out, let it go a little bit, not get so concerned with, with what you fear the outcome will be, but just let it go. These are all really valuable lessons. And uh, so I hope that everybody listening or watching today will go check out Fred's site, download that first chapter, buy the book, uh, connect with him or, or look for him online and social media. We'll share the links that uh, uh, Fred has shared with us on the show notes. And uh, Fred Joyle, it's really been a great Can pleasure. I just add yeah. something? Because we're talking about content creation. And when we would write the next round of 800 Dennis commercials, I would invite yeah. anybody into the room to brainstorm. And awesome. I said, there is, there is no censoring. There's no bad ideas. There's no such thing as too crazy in this mm -hmm. room. I said, because I can dial crazy back to make it work. But if right. it's too mild or too gentle or soft or predictable, I can't dial it up. So yep. they would if they would come at me with everything and they would they would have a ball doing it. And I would love it because now I'm buried in in stuff to work with that I can chisel down into 29 and a half seconds. So yeah, that, re releasing yeah. the sensor is so powerful because you oh, I shouldn't say that never say that to yourself, say, yeah. try it and work your way backwards. That idea alone is worth the time that all of you who are here at the end of this episode uh, have spent with us. That is a really valuable uh, tip that phrase release the sensor make that a mantra for yourself and your content creation and thank you fred for sharing that so fred thank you had a had a blast here with you today and uh i hope uh, a lot of people come and and uh pick up the book and follow you on the website thanks for listening to the story power marketing show with tom ruich if you liked what you heard today, visit storypowermarketing.com slash resources, where you can sign up for Tom's entertaining, informative, must-read emails, download free business building resources, and discover other opportunities to help you harness the power of storytelling. That's storypowermarketing.com slash resources to help you captivate prospects, inspire them to act, and grow your business with greater ease and joy. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.